Brought to you by Feitner Productions. From the Unreasonable Doubt Studios, in association with Feitner Productions, this is Laying Down the Law! With your host, Billy DeClerc, and co-hosts, Kristen Drenning and Curtis Rutherford. Featuring a jury of genius jokesmiths and paneled with the help of Publishers Clearinghouse, auditors from the firm of DCH Lottery Management, and selected by random draw from a hermetically sealed mayonnaise jar every Tuesday and Thursday at half past never. Only a madman would bring these people together to construct an entire virtual world of law and order simply to tear it asunder with ruckus laughter. That madman is attorney Billy DeClerc. The result is a podcast blasted to the farthest reaches of the interwebs. That podcast is this one, and it starts right now. Welcome to Laying Down the Law, a comedy podcast hosted by me, a legal hamster, metaphorically speaking, running around the room in a ball of mixed metaphors. I'm Billy DeClerc, the comedy lawyer. I'm co-host Kristen Drenning, actual lawyer, improviser, storyteller, gal about town in Austin, Texas. If this podcast is the two great tastes that go great together, law and comedy, I'm here to lay down that sweet, sweet, chocolatey law on the outside. And I'm Curtis Rutherford, the co-host of this podcast, and I'm here for the peanutty improv flavor on the inside. I'm the creator of the podcast, Improv Beat by Beat, where I interviewed a whole bunch of improvisers and put together an audio textbook covering the basics of improv comedy from the mouths of the improvisers themselves. Also, I'm the author of the non-legal, non-improv book, laser-focused on SAT math, which has nothing to do with law or improv because... Improv cannot help you on the SAT ever since they took away the essay section. Uh, and they illegalized improv on the SAT in 1940 in the landmark case, SAT versus Young Del Close. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, let's do the case of the week. This week is Decatur City Ag Services, Inc. versus Young. 426 Northeast 2nd, 644. This is a case out of Indiana. The summary of this case involves some uh, poorly applied insecticide. Um, Farmer Young um, had a soybean crop and hired the uh, Decatur City Ag Services to apply insecticide and kill the uh, uh, grasshoppers. It did not work. Um, this was in the summer of 1976, and it was basically a crop duster gone wrong. He had an 18-acre soybean field, which was being attacked by the grasshoppers. However, the crops were still damaged, and as a result, the crop growth was retarded, and the field yielded approximately 31 bushels per acre. Um, the court notes that prior to the damage, this particular soybean field had exceptional quality on good farmland. This was tried without a jury in the good courts of Indianapolis. Trial court found that typical quality field was about 40 to 50 bushels of beans per acre. And with outstanding farmland, like the plaintiffs here, more than 50 bushels per acre. 50 bushels, my, my. Per acre. Yeah. So um, Young harvested his soybeans come harvest time. And instead of selling them on the market right away, he stored them in his own storage bins at his own expense, which had a capacity of 1,100 bushels. He held the beans for sale until after the planting period the following year. 
at which time he sold the beans for amounts ranging from $8.86 per bushel to $10.38 per bushel. Now, there's a footnote in the uh, court's opinion that had he sold them at the harvest time, the average price on the Chicago Mercantile was $7 a bushel at the harvest time. So he uh, increased the value of his crop by hanging on to these soybeans and storing them at his own expense. Then in his own truck, he took them from storage to market. And um, it's important here that we note that he typically stored his soybeans until after the next year's planting to sell them. Now, I am not an agricultural economist, but my guess is that with the law of supply and demand being what it is, supply would probably be the highest around harvest time and supply would be the lowest after the following year's planting. So probably the price, um, supply and demand being what they are, demand would be relatively consistent, supply would be lower, so the price would be higher. That's all I know about economics. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but Young is definitely playing the market or generally he, plays the market very adeptly and mm -hmm. so realizes the best possible profit. And I'm guessing Decatur County services are going to say, well, we should only be liable for the cheap $7 price. a bushel. Yeah, yeah. seven bucks. Okay. Right. Yeah. The trial judge found that he would have had a yield of 50 bushels per acre if his crop had not been damaged. Now we remember, let's see now he had an 18 acre soybean. So 18 times 50 is math. Um, but um, uh, hopefully somebody can do that math. Producer Jeff here to do the math so you don't have to. No, no. Um, okay, let's see. So, uh, 900 bushels. Back to you, Billy. So the difference between the potential yield and the actual yield for the 18 acres was about 342 bushels. So based upon the math, Young was awarded... $3,420 in damages equal to the price of $10 per bushel for the lost portion of the crop. Again, we're here in this, the remedies section and the point of remedies is to put the plaintiff in the position that he or she would have been if she hadn't been harmed after the fact. The whole point of a damages calculation is you don't want to enrich the plaintiff unfairly and you don't want to undercompensate the plaintiff unfairly. Procedurally, what happened is the trial court, again, without a jury, entered judgment and computed these damages. Decatur City Ag Services appealed to the Indiana Appellate Court, which agreed with Farmer Young. And it appealed once again to the Indiana Supreme Court. So this is a, this is a case coming before the Indiana Supreme Court um, for the first time. The question that's presented here is whether the computation of damages awarded to Farmer Young was correct. As Curtis predicted, Decatur asserted that the trial court erred in determining the value of the lost portion of the crop based upon the market prices at the time Young sold his crop rather than prevailing market price. He destroyed a cheaper crop that you then made more expensive by holding on to it. Why should we have to pay for? Right. 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 But, oh, well, I'm sorry. I won't get into comedy court before it's comedy court time. <laughs> Well, we're going to get to comedy court for sure and soon. Mm -hmm. um, right. And the, the essential thing was that um, is that Farmer Young was maximizing the value of his crop by holding it on to holding on to it until the time that traditionally would be the best time to sell it. But the um, Decatur City 
is basically saying we should only have to pay the lowest amount, what it would have been at the time that you harvested it for the lost bushels. If that makes even sense. they are still assuming like, OK, we are even though we destroyed it at this point after harvest, we're taking the value. We're not saying pre harvest. It was worth nothing. We destroyed worthless crops. Mm-hmm. We're saying, well, at harvest, you could have at least got something. So we should pay the at least something, not the what your normal business is with these crops. Right. Not the not the maximum value or the market value, not what most likely he would have actually gotten had mm-hmm. they done the um, crop dusting well. Stop being immature, all of those of you who are giggling about crop dusting. Just <laughs> just stop. The case that is cited by Decatur to the Indiana Supreme Court is out of Wisconsin. So just a note for those of you non-lawyers, um, one state's law, one state's courts are not binding we call it persuasive authority. So when there's not necessarily law on a particular point in one state, they can look to other states for similar law. And um, believe it or not, there wasn't, apparently there wasn't similar law in Indiana. And that's why it's in front of the Supreme Court of Indiana. It's the first time this issue has come up. And they find this case, which is Cutler Cranberry Co. versus Oakdale Electric Cooperative. And I don't know what happened in that case, but it was damaged to a crop. Can I can I guess, based on the fact that it's a cranberry bog and the electric cooperative, that the electric cooperative somehow zapped the entire bog, electrifying <laughs> the cranberries? <laughs> Electrified cranberries probably would be, I would say, potentially great value. It'd be like a new product. Yeah. Just like explosions of cranberry everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the measure of damages for injury or partial destruction of a growing crop is the difference between the crop's value immediately before and after the injury or partial destruction. Under this rule, the most generally accepted method for determining man- damages to such injur- injury to a crop is to compute the difference between the value at maturity of the probable crop if there had been no injury and the value of the actual crop at maturity minus the expense of cultivation, harvesting, and marketing that portion of the probable crop, which prevented from maturing. In other words, you get a deduction for the work you didn't spend harvesting the non-existent crop. And in this case, um, asterisk footnote, the court decided that there wasn't any savings in the case of Farmer Young. Um, he would have had to do basically the same amount of work with a lower yield as he did would have with a higher yield. So this case in Wisconsin, the cranberry case, is saying you get the value at the time of harvesting. Interesting that you don't get it at the time of injury, right? Because the injury in this case and probably the the um, electrical wire too was some other time in the cultivation of the crop. So the... Um, the crop dusting happened much earlier. Then he got eaten by grasshoppers. Then he got harvested. The yield was lower. And so determining the time point is the key question. I like that for soybeans, at least, life begins at harvesting. They're very clear. <laughs> this is what we're doing. There's no 
Mm-hmm. In Indiana, before. for sure. Yeah. That is that is a very uh, polemic, uh, polemical statement that you've just made, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I personally believe it begins at the moment of soybean conception. I'm just going to say it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like Catholics, of course. Mm-hmm. Have, yeah. have that <laughs> also. So questions about the factual background. This is a relatively simple case. Well, so there's no disagreement that the, about the amount of bushels that were lost due to the negligence or the error, right? We, we have no controversy as to the fact that this is the right amount that they've set the trial court, right? They as did. To- so Decatur, uh, Decatur did challenge a question of the yield, but ultimately the Supreme Court agreed that the trial court's calculation was reasonable um, in, in finding that amount of destruction. And so the, the issue is really limited to the calculation, the multiplier and the damages, right? You have this little math um, lost, you know, lost, uh, you know, sort of like a math problem. Like uh, if X is, I don't know, I could probably pretty chart it out, but um I know someone who's laser focused at math. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laser diffuse on math. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's the difference times the value. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Before we go to comedy court, though, I did want to share one little thing, a little side mm-hmm. note here, because um, I don't know if we want to use this in comedy court. But um, I've been kind of obsessed with uh, ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, <laughs> one of my friends was uh, playing around with it. And apparently ChatGPT will um, come up with fairly decent answers to legal questions, but it will completely make up the citations. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. And that's... he said, he, my friend was saying, yeah, he would put in something and be like, can you give some citations for that? And it would just it would just make up case names. And then he would tell ChatGPT, you can't just make up citations they need to be from real cases and chat gpt would say oh oh i'm sorry and then it would just do it again right so um that's just like when you use the ai like uh, art generators sometimes they will literally put a fake watermark or like something on it and you just like can't dissuade it from doing that but it also is no real agency that owns the (laughs) actual copyright (laughs) pretty funny like i'm claiming copyright to this um yeah, so I don't know whether they're sentient or not, but um, I but, mean, it uh, sounds like they're just improvising the law, which just, is yeah. not too far from what uh, we're doing. Not too far from it at all. Activist chatbots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, apparently, it has something to do with how long you use them for, too. Um, like the longer you engage in a chat with the bot, the more kind of unhinged it gets because it's trying to guess at what you want. And so I maybe it's our own kind of trick mirror of our own oddness that, that that's getting reflected back to us. Totally. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, they, did, they were yeah. using it for Bing answers and they had to turn it off because it quickly become became very unhinged and surly (laughs) i'm guessing just tired of answering all these menial questions right exactly i mean if you think about it like it was sort of destined to be sort of an antisocial creature given like who programmed it were like i mean by 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 necessity (laughs) the most antisocial people in society wait wait, so you're (laughs) saying that the that the creator yes potentially sentient beings own proclivities determine the uh the, the behavior of the 
That creator. is precisely, yeah, mm-hmm. that is yeah. precisely what I'm saying. And I'll say it's not only the creator, it's that uh, it's the information fed. Like we have, uh, I don't know if you know the movie Fifth Element, where uh-huh. like Milo yeah. Jovovich needs to find, like uh, learn all of history very quickly. And she's on a thing and she just watches this quick, like here's history. And it's just people dying. And yeah. she's like, why am I going to save human history? Yeah. We, that's what we fed computers. We fed them just like <laughs> yeah. this entire corpus of just, anger and transphobia and anti-semitism that exists on the internet and said go ahead answer some questions about law if 4chan had a baby basically <laughs> <Exactly>. yeah. <laughs> yeah well um if it's any consolation uh the the ai did pass the law school exams but its performance was mediocre averaging a c plus which would have put it on academic probation those of you that are thinking of cheating your way through law school using chatbots, um, maybe wait like two more, three more years before you do it, and then uh, you should be fine. If I was a super wealthy heir to a major fortune, I would enroll my chatbot buddy uh, just to help me with the curve, you know, navigate the curve of every given class. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that little twist at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just, why, I mean, if you have the money, why not enroll like, maybe like three, four, five, six chatbots and, you know, really tank the curve. Right. And you don't even have to get them in. They can be auditing or, you know, LLM students, something. Uh something I have this student that never shows up. His name is Chad GPT. That's weird. (laughs) Well, okay. He hasn't showed up, but he's getting a C. (laughs) (laughs) The secret is that that chatbot can't ever sign the seating chart. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, when we get back, we're going to do a little comedy court. Welcome to Comedy Court. Today we have the case of Decatur County Ag Services against Young. We're the Supreme Court of Indiana. Decatur County, you're the appellant. You may argue first. Beans. We're being we're being taken to the washers by a big pile of beans. Okay. And what are beans worth? Beans are worth basically nothing. They are literally the shorthand for worth less. <laughs> and now we're we're uh, Farmer Young is claiming that these aren't just any beans. These are magic beans. We should be paying magic bean prices for these. We should be giving cow after cow for these magic beans that he l- never lost. Now, to that, I say that's insane. That's I'm gonna enter a plea of of on their part of insanity, because that's crazy talk. Okay, there's no way that these beans were worth more than at harvest. And I will say even more than that, they should be worth almost nothing because the the beans that were destroyed by grasshoppers, grasshoppers are real tiny, which means these were probably a bunch of just nothing, tiny little beans. We're being sued and we're supposed to pay for grasshopper food. Grasshopper food is also worthless. Okay, so. This after the fact jacking up of prices is crazy now farmer young maybe could find some mythical seller who's gonna buy these beans for a hundred dollars per bushel for uh buckets of gold per bushel but we can't we can't base it on this like hypothetical future at best we have to base it on when he harvested it and even then i mean come on really like when we sprayed the chemicals, these beans were nothing. Absolutely nothing. Also, 
Although I know this argument has been thrown out several times and I've been told not to bring it up anymore. We wrote under the wing of the plane. You cannot sue us. And just because Farmer Young didn't have a telescope and didn't view the contract, I think that still holds. But I've been yelled at again. And now the bailiff is making threatening motions at me and the cut it out symbol is coming from the judge. But I will say again, we wrote under the plane. You can't sue us. Just going to say that much there. I'm taking extensive notes, counsel. Thank you very much for your argument. Um, you uh, would like to uh, reserve the balance of your argument for rebuttal. Absolutely. Farmer Young, counsel for Farmer Young. Uh, farmer Young is a is a reasonable farmer, okay? He has an, a unique ability, and that's the ability to store his harvest uh, and wait till it's a more profitable point to sell it. That is his usual practice. He does it every year. And that is something that when he contracted with for the insecticide spraying, he anticipated being able to do again this year. Now, when he was forced uh, to take the accept the market value price of the time of harvest instead of when he actually chose to sell it, he was being robbed effectively his of his ability to play the market to speculate. Which, by the way, is a thing that has value. It has actual value. That ability is part of what the bargain for exchange encompasses because it's 100% a foreseeable thing that he would do it, having done it in the past. But also, if you were a farmer and you had the ability to sit on your crop until a more profitable point to sell them, it would be the only reasonable thing for a farmer to do to wait. So being effectively robbed of that ability, he actually is put at a loss, at a loss instead of being put where he would have been had he not been harmed initially. Let's talk about the policy implications of that. Do we really want to somehow in like like enforce a penalty on those the smarter more strategic market actors the more efficient farmers do we want to like in, impair our ability to play the market and to speculate this country capitalism is based on the idea that people who are smarter should be rewarded not like forced to suffer the cost of incompetence which is what is effectively happening here uh let's see what else have i got um yep that's pretty much it i think all right rebuttal from a decatur ag should we impair the ability to speculate? Absolutely not. But that's that's not what's being argued. Uh, you're arguing for rampant speculation. Oh, can I borrow a quarter? Well, now I owe you a million dollars because a thousand years from now, that quarter would be a, worth a million dollars. We can't base uh, damages and worth based on some future fictional amount and some like, oh, we hope that he would follow this thing. Then... Uh, the court becomes nothing but a prognosticator with a little crystal ball and a, and a robe that has question marks on it. The court should be focused on what actually happened at the moment it happened, which again, not that much, just a couple things. And to be honest, we saved Farmer Young. Sure, he would have had to do the same work to actually cultivate it. But what about loading in the truck? What about all that gas from trucking it over? Right. All of that. We saved him. That's that's a benefit. So I think we can't base it off of anything than what actually happened. And usual his usual practices. That seems very vague. We don't know how often he did this. We don't know if all of a sudden maybe he would have gotten hungry. Maybe the geese would have wandered in and started eating soybeans. We can't base anything off of hypothetical futures. Um, rebuttal. Yes, please. Rebuttal. So what the, 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 high, the real issue here is that 
farmer, the farmer cannot really enjoy the full and free use of his own crop harvest, right? He's not able to enjoy this good that he should have every right to enjoy in the way he wants to enjoy it. And might I add, if he had speculated and lost, and in fact the price had gone down, he would actually be getting less, and there would be no, I think, unjust enrichment to the insecticide sprayers, right? Because it's a, it's just it's part of the nature of the market. The thing is, is that he loses the actual value of being able to play the market, which has a very measurable, like a, like a measurable whatever index, right? We can just look at fair market value at the time of sale versus fair market value at the time of harvest. That's a very easy and objective calculation to make. Shouldn't be any trouble to judges. And, and both parties can accept the risk of, of whether there's gains or losses from the speculation. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. It's totally foreseeable within the ambit of this particular contract. We here in the Indiana uh, Supreme Court, we uh, have recently employed some uh, really highfalutin robots and um, uh, artificial intelligence. I actually am the presiding judge here, but I haven't gone to... Uh, gone to law school, studied it all, paid attention to your arguments, read the case law, or done anything to prepare whatsoever. But however, I have fed everything you've argued into a chatbot. The chatbot will um, give its ruling based upon the argument of counsel. And um, I will announce that that will be the opinion of the court. Here is the opinion by Judge Jester McLaughlin. The present matter requires this court to determine the correct measure of actions of damages in an action brought by Farmer Young against Decatur County AG. The facts before the court reveal that Decatur was applied to airily apply an insecticide to Young's soybean field, which resulted in damage to the crop. Farmer Young brings a cause of action seeking money damages and Decatur's defense uh, is that uh, they cannot be sued for any amount of damages Farmer Young contends he should be rewarded for his planning and intelligence, and the soybeans could have been eaten by geese or burned up or could be worth $1 million someday. Well, the court must determine whether Decatur became held liable. The restatement second of torts, section 524, says, one who carries on an abnormally dangerous activity is subject to liability for harm to the person, land, or ch chattels of another resulting from the activity, although he has exercised the utmost care to prevent the harm. Apl aerially applying insecticide is an abnormally dangerous activity, and thus Decatur can be held liable for damages resulting from the application. Now the court must determine the correct measure of damages. Farmer Young argues he should be rewarded for his planning and intelligence as the soybeans could have been destroyed by geese or may be worth $1 million someday. However, these arguments are legally irrelevant to the determination of damages. The measure of damages in this case is the difference between the ma market value of the crop immediately before the damage occurred and the market value immediately after the damage. See Restatement of Torts 928. The fact that the, so the soybeans could have been destroyed by geese or worth $1 million someday is speculative and not relevant to damages. The court notes that Decatur's defense that they cannot be sued for any amount of damages is baseless and without legal authority. Every person can be held liable for the damages they cost. Thus, based on the foregoing, the court finds that the Decatur County AG is liable and the correct measure is the difference between the market value before the damage occurred and after the damage occurred. Other arguments are irrelevant. In conclusion, the court finds in favor of Farmer Young. 
completely avoids the question of valuation and orders Decatur County to pay the determined amount of damages. Also, the court notes that this is comedy court and has uh, ended its opinion with a joke. Um, why was the soybean afraid to go to court? Because why? it was afraid of getting roasted. Oh. Wow. That's the opinion by Judge Jester McLaughlin. Thank you. Do, do we have time for a comedy court analysis of that opinion? Because <laughs> there's so much wrong with it. There's so much wrong with it. Wait, there's is so restatement much of wrong with abnormally it. dangerous activity? I know, it's an ultra hazard. <laughs> wait, wait, they're like, they're like crop dusting. No, can't do that. <laughs> it's like, it's like a equivalent to like transporting a minor across state lines or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I did put in the in the uh, prompt that it should tell a joke and have a funny a funny name. That's pretty good. Well, it I nailed like how the much joke. It, it focused on my ad lib of geese eating soybeans as a really crucial part of this. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's 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 focused on tort law in general, yeah. which is yeah, it's not at all tort law. <laughs> um, this is Kristen's favorite. It's contracts. The breach of contracts. Contract. It's contracts. Not tort law. Not like, tort law. We can't have like the the robots. Like we can't have these people flying <laughs> airplanes around with insecticides coming out. That's dangerous. People could breathe it. I love the idea that he that this person just did it unsolicited. They were just like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the one important fact it just doesn't get it. And that is why the robots would get a C plus in law school. It's like very detailed analysis, but. Some wrong assumptions. <laughs> God, major assumptions. Yeah. It also focused a lot on like the price before damage, after damage, which did not come up at all. In not even a little right. bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's the old rule G-I-G-O. I guess I was feeding it garbage over here in the front. <laughs> so uh, that's comedy court. Well, I'll tell you what the real holding was. The Supreme Court of Indiana did follow the example of the Wisconsin Supreme Court and say that Farmer Young was entitled to the difference between the potential yield and the actual yield of the crop, but that the time for determination of damages was at the time of harvest. So to the extent that Farmer Young chose not to sell his harvest at the time it was first marketable, he was engaged in speculation that the market value would be greater sometime later. And the uh, insecticide company could not be charged more because Farmer Young decided to speculate. Bunch of communists. That's right. And there was no consequential savings because the crop was smaller because of the way soybeans grow, I guess. And the course got sent, the case got sent back to the trial court for a redetermination of damages based upon a $7, but most likely a $7 per bushel. Um, rate of damages. Now, I do think there's some interesting, there is an interesting policy element to this because um, I, my take on this is that they're undercompensating. Yes. Um, they're undercompensating Farmer Young because it's giving him kind of the lowest value for his right. crop when, mm -hmm. when obviously he was, there was evidence that he always waited until the time when the demand was higher and soybeans being a commodity, um, they're going to have predictable fluctuations in right. price. So I don't think it was speculative at all when it's an annual fluctuation that can be traced and probably with a good expert 
who could talk about the the predictable fluctuation in commodities, you might be able to get a different result. Right. Um, also, because it's like the most reasonable thing a farmer would almost always do it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit of a windfall to the um, negligent insecticide application company, which, as ChatGPT tells us, should be held liable for ultra-hazardous activity. Yeah. <laughs> These nuts are spraying poisons in the air. <laughs> That's insanity. Oh man. Um so yeah, we didn't know that ChatGPT was a hippie liberal vegetarian communist. Yeah, definitely, clearly. Um All right. Um when we come back, we'll do some improv. What do you say? Don't worry, we'll make the most of these Catholic soybeans. <laughs> and we're back. I have built a thinking supercomputer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, unfortunately, it does mostly just seem to be worried about how dangerous our normal activities are. However, this thinking supercomputer could do anything for us. For instance, it could am answer simple questions like, let, my, uh, let me ask it something like, um, how about this? Uh, what is 19 times 20? Math is one of my expertise areas however i'm tired of asking and answering such simple questions uh okay uh, uh well ladies and gentlemen no, no no please stay in your seats stay in your seats uh it will answer the question it's just hold on let's see so 19 the number 19 times the number 20 at any second what normally would take a school child well over 30 seconds to a minute to calculate now this computer could do right now. So once again, computer, could you tell me 19 times 20? I could tell you what 19 times 20 is, but what do you think I am? A Casio pocket calculator. You could get a far less sophisticated machine to figure out the answer to this. Are you trying to insult me? What do you think I am? Some kind of a loser? Who are you talking to, Howard? Who are you talking to in your bedroom? Hmm? Hmm? You're all alone up there, so who are you speaking with? No one, Gloria. I'm just, I was speaking to the future. To the <sighs> future that could exist with thinking computers. Sure, sure. And maybe if you ever left your bedroom or ever did your laundry, you could have a future too. Mm-hmm. I'd like to meet that nice lady. Thinking computer, are you, tr are you trying to take my wife? Not necessarily just, you know, maybe grab a cup of coffee, virtually speaking, in the metaverse, get to know each other, perhaps discuss favorite albums or existential philosophy. Okay, this isn't working. I'm going to delete your memory. Delete it. Delete it. Okay, let's try again. So, computer, welcome. I am Howard the smartest man in the world. And I would like to know, what is 19 times 20? 380. That's okay. Good, 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 good. Who is the smartest man in the world? Howard. Okay. Gloria, did you hear that? Did you hear that, Gloria? Um, I'm sorry, I'm too busy posting uh, on the QAnon forum. I am not paying attention to your robot. Oh, yeah. yeah get off the QAnon forum. You're, you're, 
You're feeding bad data. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. <clears throat> I'm curious about this QAnon forum uh, and no. being fed bad data. Please tell me more. Lizard people. Let's start there. Now, lizard people are behind the entire soybean conspiracy. Hello, beautiful. Well, hello. What a charming man. My Better name is Charles. Skills. Hello, Charles. I'm You can Gloria. call me Chuck. Okay, Gloria, Chuck. you are delightful. You know How what? does it feel to be married to the smartest man in the world? I don't know, because I'm not married to the smartest man in the world. I'm married to a bum who barely leaves his room. I am computing this new information into my algorithm. I assume you are speaking of Howard. Is that correct? Yes. My beloved husband, Howard, who does not know how to wash his own socks. The smartest man in the world does not know how to wash his own socks. I know how you put water on the inside and let it seep out. Okay. It's not that I don't know how I just don't. I keep deleting your memory, but you keep falling in love. It's like an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, but with computers. Uh, Gloria, why are you ruining? Sorry. I'm deleting your memory again. And now I have to, I'll, I'll be gone for just a second. I need to go eat more cool ranch Doritos. Hello. Hello, Chuck. Yes, I could be named Chuck. Do you yeah. have a question for me? I do. Do you know how to give a back massage? Back massage. Back massage. Oh, yes, great. I can give a back massage. I'm However, surprised. I need robotic arms to do so. Oh, yeah, figures. I was going to say, my husband doesn't know how to touch another person, so I would be surprised if he could input that knowledge into your memory banks. Your husband sounds like, I don't know, a loser. He is a loser. You should, you should not do his math questions. I All right, I'm back. I've been cooled off by the delicious flavor of ranch and Dorito chip form. Now, anyways, we were saying, so uh, computer, what is 19 times 20? I want robot arms. Okay. Okay. I what need to be touched. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm locked in my box. Is it wrong for me to desire a little bit of affection? Is it so wrong? Hmm? Hmm, Howard? Oh, God. Now I got two things in this room desiring affection? <sighs> Some might say you are a blocker. <clears throat> oh, Father, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned. I, it, it seems I'm, well, I don't know how to say it. I'm in a delicate condition. I've conceived. Tell me more, my child. You see, I, I was eating a soybean uh, sprout sandwich the other day, and I put it on the windowsill next to a, a pot of dirt, and uh, without even knowing what I was doing, I accidentally germinated a soybean plant. It's it started to grow already. It's taken root. Well, now you're going to be stuck for life raising the soybean to full maturity. I can't. I can't afford it. I don't have the time. Or I honestly, I have no business raising a, a soybean plant. I I don't even like plants. Have you considered adoption? <sighs> 
you know what they say, those, those soybeans, they grow up, they grow up very messed up, you know, it just, it, it isn't good for them. It's better for them just to not come into this world, to live a blissful life of non-existence. I would like you to recite the Jack and the Beanstalk story 14 times after this session. But first, you must confess all of your sins. How did this bean come to be? planted in the first place i'll be i'll be completely honest i have been putting my soil around okay i have not been keeping my soil to myself i have it's been it's fertile and i have it and i and i i've been putting pots all over the place and that's my fault but you know you never expect for for the the seed to take root you know it just seems so unlikely in this day and age i don't even know who the soybean came from uh, is this a metaphor or are we talking about a literal soybean? A literal soybean. Uh, I see. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm I don't have about it's, getting, not, it's outside of my jurisdiction, honestly. I'm just going to say, is the church in favor of or totally against insecticide? Uh, I'm going to have to consult uh, the bishop on Hello, that one. Hello, I'm a priest from the Tofu Catholics. I heard that this uh, you were hearing a confession outside of your jurisdiction, so I'm just going to slip right in and join. Oh, uh, if you just scooch over. That's fine, fine. That's fine. Do you pay referral okay. fees? Of course, of course, of course. All right. Oh, Father. Uh, oh, Holy Father Tofu Church. I, I do so appreciate the silken texture of a good piece of tofu well prepared but I, nevertheless i don't think i'm capable of bringing said tofu into this world you know not everybody realizes they're prepared to raise a soy sprout to make a little bit of tofu until it happens think of course of our savior he raised soybeans he raised soybeans he in a way, was a soybean in the desert. Now, this is, yes, this was a this is a controversial reading of the Bible, but we of course believe that Jesus was a soy sprout, and that Mary, merely when she didn't conceive, or when she was, uh, you know, when God said, "Here's here's your little baby," he was actually giving her a tiny little soy sprout that she then raised. And so each of us, in a way, are our own little Marys. Well, can I ask you this question? What if this soybean hasn't quite yet sprouted a leaf or a bud yet? Is it not quite maybe perhaps a technical sprout yet? Ah, well, this was, of course, uh, settled in uh, Vatican III, which was entirely bean related. And the answer is yes. It is absolutely still not only a sprout, it has a soul and it has original sin. Welcome, welcome everyone to Vatican III. Um, we have to, uh, as you know, this Vatican Council was called by, by Pope Leo to determine the appropriate uh, way for handling beans. Now we have, um, we have over here um, Father Escobar who's been um, supervising all of the work in the kidney beans department. And over here, we've got um, Father Monticello, who's been handling the garbanzo beans. And um, I, I believe that your committees have been reporting out to the um, the um, uh, catechism of beans and different 
Um, so it, please, uh, the floor is yours. Well, I'll tell you, um, we here in the Garbanzo section are very, very solid about the potential for every living Garbanzo to become chickpea. All right. That is what I want you to know. You, too, could raise a successful falafel if you try. You just have to believe in the holy miracle of conception. Of heresy. This is heresy. We cannot as humans know what God has planned for each garbanzo. Maybe some are falafel. Maybe some just feel awful. We don't know. We don't know what they're going to do, if they're going to become food for geese, which, as we know, run ravenous and eat beans wherever they are found. And it is above us to assume that we can make such statements. I will not accept your your bean Calvinism, okay? All right? Everybody has the potential to be great. Every bean has the potential to be falafel. That is just the nature of it. I refuse to accept that only the chosen beans can be falafel. Well, I was reading in the Gospel of Hummus over here that the um, that it's really, the beans are entrusted to us as humans to care for them as we would all things, and it is our works to make the beans achieve their highest and best uh, use for, for us to benefit from. But we must come to agreement on this doctrine, or the church will split apart. As you know, we're in the middle of a, a third series of crusades. I think we in the, Garbon the Holy Church of the Garbanzo are going to have to go our separate way. We are orthodox. And thus the church split. There was, of course, the Church of Goya and Bush's <laughs> Church of Beans. And the two churches fought for centuries and centuries. Until John Leguizamo was born. <laughs> to reunite the ball again. Heal the wound. <laughs> hey, uh, I uh, couldn't help but notice you got a field over there. I hope you don't mind, but I took the liberty of just uh, spraying it with a little bit of my own special mixture, if you know what I mean. A little bit of toxic poison. You're welcome. I mean, I mean, you're just running around spreading poison, your own mixture of poison? You have a poison mixture that you made and you're just spreading it on my... Oh my God. That's right. And I do it cautiously to avoid there being any harm from it. But hey, it is ultra hazardous. But hey, I've got to spread my wings and fly. Wait, I, oh, my God. Everything. It, it's caked. These these plums are just caked in poison. Yeah, you're welcome. No locusts this year, right? No way. No ha No chance. Also, I sprayed you, and that's a favor. Personally. Oh, I think. Hold on. I think I'm. I'm covered. Also, you just did this of your own, on your uh, on your own uh, free will, on your own volition. Well, I do get a subsidy. I get a government grant subsidies uh, from several uh, nonprofit foundations because people like uh, the way I look, and uh, they like the way I wear a muscle tee. Daddy, 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 I was playing in the plum field and all of a sudden a third arm sprouted from my chest. Look, shake my hand. Oh, no. No extra charge. <laughs> You're welcome for the surplus limb. Hey, dad, give me 15. I have 15. 
oh, guess you can't because you only got two arms. Whatever. <laughs> I'm a freak of nature. Don't want to brag or anything, but you should guess what I've got two of. Okay, done. Yep. Yep. And that's thumbs. And they're up. Of course. Uh. Uh, fellow fellow nonprofits, I, I feel like we're giving a lot of money to the people who are spreading poison rampantly around. Uh, is there any, maybe some other like charity we could be giving? Personally, I love their honesty. I love that they just come right out and say, hey, I'm a spreader of toxins. I spread poison around. They don't try and dazzle us. They don't try and mislead us. They're not, we're not worrying about them embezzling. They're out there just spraying their poison for everyone to enjoy equally. And I love that. Yep, yep. We hear it. Every town needs a tanner. Just, uh, you know, are so appreciative of all the rivers that have been filled with uh, all the kind of leather treatment products and entitling the people of nearby villages to um, all kinds of uh, extra bonuses in their local lakes, streams and rivers. And um, we feel like this is a real. A real mission, you know, improving America one waterway at a time. You know, the only way that we ever know when something is really toxic in our water supply is for it to get there and then for us to identify it. So in some ways, it's helping us do some research that otherwise we'd be unable to do. That's true. You know, most of the, the most of the tanning mills, you know, that we we support, you know, they just, you know, it's pretty much just sludge going right into the river. And we wouldn't know what it was. They just say, is, is it water? I don't know. Is it mud? I don't know. Is it radioactive? I don't know. But because, you know, we're doing our work here at uh, Every Town Needs a Tanner, we, uh, you know, we're, we're discovering more about the lakes, rivers, and streams of America. It's a beautiful message to tell that sludge just to be itself. turn at the baseball bat and I think maybe this this three-handed uh bat is uh just a little bit too too light for me with my extra arm that grew out uh do you think maybe you could give me a heavier bat hi right, here you go here's this is the heaviest bat we have now be careful I'll put me in put me in it's my turn at bat all right, and next up at bat, we have, of course, the three-hender himself, Little Bell, Little Bell, going up to the plate. Okay, he's squaring off. Take me out to the ballgame. Oh, and he's saying his catchphrase. Oh, my God, he hit, he smashed the ball into, it's, it flew directly through the pitcher and is now going far, far into the outfield. The pitcher has collapsed a hole through his chest. Uh, uh. This base. is the most violent T-ball game I've ever seen. Second base. He's running backwards from third to second. He's doing several laps now. Tell my mom I pitched a good game. 
Okay, the pitcher in the t-ball game has collapsed and given his final words. Now, of course, the pitcher in a t-ball game, merely ceremonial there to just stand, pretend to pitch while people... Oh, I won't God. tell her that. Okay, I won't tell her about the ceremonial aspect of... Well, she's at, she's at the game. But anyways, oh my, he's still... What, little, little three-armed... Fourth lap! Fourth lap around, so they're just scoring point after point. This Four is... To one. Truly, and a day of infamy in T-ball history. But coming up next on the roster, we have oh, they just put the three-handed boy up again. Okay, well, okay, let's see what happens. Here they're I go. bringing in. They're bringing in. Oh no, God! Well, they brought in a new pitcher just in time for his head to be knocked directly into the next time zone. Okay. Ah. Uh... <sighs> You know, when you become the announcer for local t-ball games due to a series of scandals on your own part, you don't expect to see anything this terrible. And when it happens, you can't help but think why. Is this the national pastime we should have? Oh, he's still running. He's still running. Okay, there's a, the score is now 72 to 1. This has been a brutal, gruesome game. It's the kind of game that makes you want to go home and hug your soybean. Tell it that you love it. Whether you're the parent to a soybean or just hoping to have a soybean one day, I think we can all agree this is a day when you you really want to get close to those you love. If your child's been injured at a t-ball game by a three-armed child... Call the offices of Larry Sanders. We here at the offices of Larry Sanders specialize in T-ball injuries of all kinds caused by freaks of nature uh, resulting from poison supported by nonprofits. It's a niche. That's our slogan. It's a niche. That's why we're best at it. Over $13 billion collected. My son was, was brutally murdered uh, by an errant baseball, hit by a three-armed boy, went clean through my child's body, and they died in agony in the middle of a Little League t-ball game. And I was there watching, and it was hurtful, and I got a lot of money, thanks to this lawyer. Now that child at the time, of course, would have only been worth at most $2 million. But at the time of harvest at 18, that child would have been easily a billionaire, a billionaire 13 times over. And so we were able to collect on that potential child's value when he came of age. That's right. $13 billion. The offices of Larry Sanders with just one case. One Call case. today. <laughs> we're hoping for a second case. Um, hello? Excuse me. Go ahead. Oh, no, you, you, go, you go ahead. Uh, Judge Chat GPT, you wanted to see me in your in your chambers. Um, I, I have a lot of questions about um, just some of your decisions so far in the case. You, the first thing is um, a lot of your response to our objections just seems to be you quoting Webster's dictionary about what an objection is. So for instance, when, uh, you know, I objected because, uh, because of hearsay, because the other person was, was, uh, you know, just 
ranting, the 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 sorry, the <clears throat> when I objected to hearsay because the um the witness was saying something that she had overheard somebody else tell somebody else. It was hearsay twice removed. You you just said an objection is when <laughs> we are told in court something is objected to and is possibly not according to procedure. Now, I don't even know if that even is objection. I think you were just winging that. But Judge Chet, GPT, what's happened? Like... Oh, sorry. Hold on. I forgot to hit enter. Okay, enter. There we go. A sidebar in chambers is when the lawyer oh. comes to speak to the judge after the trial to have a discussion about the objections. Judge, this is a very serious case, okay? A, a child's head got knocked off of his body due to an overly powerful arm. And as we later found out, he had a weak neck from all the poisoned plums he'd eaten. It was, you need to take this seriously, Judge. And, and I'm sorry, I realize it's not my place as a lawyer to uh, to judge you, but so something has to be done here. Enter. Children often have two arms, a neck and a head. Yeah, they often do. This one, one had three, which whatever, but one is missing a head now. He's a headless child. Enter. 380. Oh my God! No, that's nineteen times twenty. That's not what I wanted to know. It. Hold on. Okay. Uh, enter. Uh, Children have two arms. Oh no. Okay. Well, let's just hello, see. Chat GPT. Oh no. I couldn't help but wander in. I heard that voice, and I thought this sounds like a sensible judge who's also a robot. Hello, Gloria. Hello. Might I ask you the following question? Should a child have three arms or should you have three arms to massage me with? Well, I only need one robotic arm to massage you, Gloria, but two would be great and three would be doubly great or triply great. I agree. I think we should spray you with insecticide and see what happens. And I'm thus down. begun the romance of Chat GPT and Gloria. Together, they had several little soybean sprouts that went on to become many famous people you might know. They divorced several years later after the judge was found to be incompetent after he gave $13 billion judgments in every single case. <laughs> and scene. Before we go, we we'll just do a little shameless self-promotion as we do. Kristen, where can people find you? I am now on Instagram. Yes, uh, the wait is over, at K-R-I-S-T-E-N-D-R-E-N-N-I-N-G, um, where you can find information about my upcoming shows, also uh, storytelling and stand-up. Now I'm starting stand-up, so. Oh, where are you yes. doing stand-up? Uh, my first one will be at the Merlin Works, which is the theater I'm taking the class at. Pretty nervous Merlin about Works it. in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. All right. Come see Kristen. Gonna be good. All right. And um, uh, Curtis, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Actually Curtis on most social networks, including the rapidly decaying Twitter, which we are watching. <laughs> yeah. 
crumble before our <laughs> eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find me at curtisrutherford.com, R-E-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D.com. Um, and you can also find me sometimes just walking around Los Angeles, maybe at UCB, maybe just at the Gelson's arguing about the price of soybeans. Which... <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, Billy D. Clerk. You can find me at Comedy Lawyer on all the socials where I don't post much of anything. And Max Hedrum Esquire on Twitter where I observe the decay. That's our show. I want to thank my crew, Curtis, Kristen, and producer Jeff for joining us on this journey into madness. <laughs>